Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, good morning at you. It's the uh, 2nd of May, 2018, and spring has finally come. So people just seem to look happier if you if you notice not as many grim faces although there's grim faces because of the pens game last night but what the heck anyway uh, uh news uh that one of you brought to us um i think last week about the peregrine falcons or was that this week at any rate bad news regarding it uh they are going to take those little chicks they're going to take the peregrine chicks out of the nest, they being the uh, game commission, uh, because there is uh, construction activity on, I guess it's the building next to the building that um, the peregrines are, are nesting in. And... Um, no, they're gone. They're they're not gone yet, but they're going to be. They're going to take the birds and bring them to a rehabilitation facility. And so instead of being raised by their own parents, they will be raised by humans and then have to be rehabbed so that they know how to function in the wild. None of this, of course, is as good as staying home. Um, and this is all because, you know, a contractor schedule and, uh, I, you know, here, here's where you can see, um, you know, people saying, well, now really what's more important to little birds or I don't pretend to know, I guess, um, in some respects, uh, the birds probably will be okay. The parents will be flipped out, um, ornithologists are warning them uh, that that will happen because when you take their chicks as any parent would they're gonna be upset to say the least and uh, they're going to be agitated uh, they're gonna hang around their nest so they ain't going anywhere also reports that what uh, created this difficulty in the first place, uh, not just the nest being there, uh, was that the birds were uh, somehow f uh, acting aggressively toward the construction workers. That proved to be untrue. There was never any danger uh, to the workers, uh, and that is from the developer. Uh, and the game commission says the developer did everything by the book. Um, they had a number of choices available to them, and they took the choice of having the game commission come in and uh, and take the birds. The birds, uh, peregrines, uh, while not endangered, are still uh, protected under a federal law called the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. And uh, but in Pennsylvania, the, the the state considers them, um, I guess, endangered here, and so they are protected under a statute also by the Pennsylvania Wildlife and Game uh, Commission, Game and Wildlife Commission, I think. 
and um, it's just a done deal. I mean, all the proper people have signed off on it. The even the feds, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which I suppose under the Trump administration is all about uh, killing fish and wildlife. <laughs> thing is they always seem to get things upside down. Um, and the only other thing I have uh, to add to this is that this nest is on, uh, I get the building being rehabilitated is near Point Park University on 3rd Avenue. It is being re rehabilitated to serve as a dormitory. And um, and that's got to be ready to go, I guess, at the uh, in August. And the birds are nesting in, um, I guess, an air duct, an air something, uh, yeah, uh, that are that is at a building that fronts on Fourth Avenue. Anyway, everybody's saying no harm, no foul. No pun. And, but tell that to the peregrines, these two freaked out little chicks who are going to be forcibly removed from their parents and the parents who won't know what the hell's happened. Anyway, these, by the way, are the same birds that have for years nested um, in the golf tower, on the golf tower. And uh, they are known and loved by many who have followed them on um, on a on a camera uh, feed that was uh, set up, I guess, by the uh, National Aviary. And, uh, you know, we even know we've named these two. And for, so, for some reason, uh, the mother uh, bird, who I guess chooses the nesting site, uh, decided to, and this, she'll regret that for the rest of her life because she was doing just fine over at the golf tower and she decided that she wanted to nest somewhere else and unfortunately she picked this building. The executive director of the Audubon Society, by the way, of Western PA says this, it doesn't look like anyone did anything wrong here. This company, the contractor, couldn't be expected to know there was a nest in there and who knew the female would change her nest site. But she did. And so I guess people who have been watching these, this pair, because uh, they mate for life, uh, this pair, and have come to know them, have not been able to see them this year because they didn't show up back at the golf tower. Now we know where they are and unfortunately this has turned out to be a move they shouldn't have made so Dory and Louie are the couple and I'm I'm not sure exactly where when this seizure of their babies is gonna happen but it's 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 gonna happen so that's too bad. Depressing. Anyway, uh, what? Little Tony has something to say. 
Uh, I heard yesterday that Bernie Sanders is campaigning for Federman. Yeah, he has endorsed John Fetterman for um, lieutenant. Is it lieutenant governor he's running for? Yeah, I think. Uh, sorry, Bernie, not a chance of me voting for the guy. When I see Pat Toomey, I thank Fetterman. I thank Fetterman. I do, too. I do, too. And for those of you who don't understand that and who otherwise really, I mean, Fetterman seems to do a lot of good stuff, and his wife as well. This is the current mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania. Um, but when we uh, had an opportunity to dislodge the uh, Republican Senator Pat Toomey uh, two years ago, uh, Fetterman mucked it up. There were two candidates uh, in the race to take Toomey on, uh, two, two in the, on the Democratic side. Katie McGinty, the, uh, the pick for the established Democratic Party, and, and then former Congressman Joe Sestak, um, who the party despises for another reason that has to do with Arlen Specter and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think there was any doubt that Sestak would have won that primary. Um, he was an indefatigable campaigner. McGinty was an awful campaigner. No one knew who she was. Uh, lackluster. And um, I'm not sure if the established party specifically asked Fetterman to get in to knock Sestak out. I don't know how it happened, but he entered late in the game, and uh, being uh, to the left, probably, of uh, both Sestak and McGinty, Sestak being to the left of McGinty, Fetterman took votes from Sestak, as he was, I guess, expected to do. Sestak would have done very well in Allegheny County, uh, instead, Fetterman won Allegheny County, I suspect the only county he won, and that was enough to give the nod to Katie McGinty, who then went on to uh, stage an abysmal campaign and lose to Toomey, who we're now stuck with for another term. And so I'm sorry, I'm not forgiving in that respect, and uh, I think Fetterman knows what he did. Uh, he might not own it. He might not uh, acknowledge that, in fact, what he did uh, gave the race to Toomey. But that was the, I said it did, before it happened, and it happened. I would think he's a better political operative than I, having been uh, in politics. I never have been in politics, but I mean, it was so clear what had gone down. And now he's taking the recognition he got for that um, attempt. And there was no way he was going to win that election, and he knew that too. So he, he was doing it for his own political ambitions, to get his name out there, and um, and to throw the whole damn thing to McGinty in the primary. 
Whether that was his conscious attempt, intent or not, as I said, I don't know, but he should have known. Anyway. So, yeah, I'm, I got a lot of friends who thinks, think he's the bee's knees, um, and that's just fine and dandy, but I'm sorry. That's a pretty bad mark to have on you, that you prevented a really good man, Joe Sestak, from getting to the U.S. Senate and representing Pennsylvania and knocking off. Stop and think about it. The Senate would be 50-50. If just one more state had managed, the Repo we would have taken the Senate. I mean, things were so important. Every calculation made by political operatives so important. And if they're made in a selfish way, which, frankly, is what John Fetterman did, um, this is what happens. And there are big consequences. Not for John Fetterman. No. Worked out fine for him. The party leaders like him because he knocked off Sestak, as they had hoped. And he got name recognition statewide so that now he's got a better shot with this, his first run. Uh, you know, that is a legitimate run for statewide office for lieutenant governor, if that's what it is. Anyway, uh -uh, Tony, I, I'm with you. Because when I see Pat Toomey, which isn't very often, by the way, God forbid you should want to see him at his office here, like so many Republicans uh, currently in the in the Congress, uh, he seems uh, afraid of the very people he supposedly represents. Tony says it's a bummer about the Peregrine Falcons. And Tony says the mayor should have gotten involved. I don't know. Nah. Pick your battles. Um, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Toodle. It's a it's a bad day for for Dory and uh Louie. <laughs> Is that I don't Dory and Louie and um and their kids. And I guess if she nests there again next year, it'll be okay because there won't be construction going on if she does think that's a better uh property but she could always go back to the golf tower where she can be on camera maybe she didn't like being on maybe she didn't like having essentially a reality show and unlike the the lunatic named hope over there in oakland at the cathedral of learning uh dory has never eaten her young she's a really good mom and she's going to be freaked out oh that's that's the way that goes uh okay let me see what else we have oh oh bit um do you remember the name uh sanford edberg you have to be a you have to be a somewhat of a long uh, time uh, Allegheny County resident and a bit of a news junkie. But uh, Sanford Edberg was a, uh, a doctor 
who figured in one of the funniest, I mean, not to him, uh, funniest pieces of video in local television history. Um, Sanford Edberg was a uh, was a forensic pathologist, um, like Cyril Wecht is a forensic pathologist. And what happened is uh, Cyril Wecht, the forensic pathologist and uh, coroner to uh, the stars, um, had decided to look uh, for bigger political position, and he had uh, run and won a position as an Allegheny County commissioner. This is when we had three commissioners as opposed to uh, a county executive. At any rate, uh, Cyril Weck ascends to a county commissioner position, leaving the county coroner's position vacant, and um, I'm a little surprised by this. I guess it falls to the governor of the state to appoint a county uh, coroner for Allegheny County when there's such a, um, a uh, what do you call that, vacancy. And uh, this was in, what the hell was the year? I don't know, 1981-ish, I think. And um, I was relatively new um, to Pittsburgh, and uh, I was a reporter. <laughs> That's why I remember it so well. I was stunned. So Edberg was appointed by Thornburg, the governor. Edberg goes to take his office, literally to take his office. He shows up for work his first day as Allegheny County coroner. And there's someone at his desk. And the guy at his desk is another doctor, forensic pathologist, named Joshua Perper. And Joshua Perper was um, then, I guess, he was right under Cyril Wecht, and he had been the acting coroner. And... Edberg went in, and there's Perper, and television news cameras were there. I guess we knew that Perper was not going to give his office over to Edberg because he didn't. And the two of them, these are two doctors, actually started physically fighting. It was a riot. Do you remember that? I mean, these two unlikely bespectacled uh, doctors. Well, I, I don't know if per Perper didn't, I don't think, had glasses, but Edberg did. And they weren't like throwing punches, but they were like pushing each other and screaming at each other. And, and it was a riot. Uh, I mean, to the rest of us, as I said. Um, Dr. Edberg, not so much. Dr. Perper, not so much. I bet Cyril Weck thought it was funny, but we've never asked him about that. At any rate, um, Edberg won. I mean, not the pushing battle, but the legal battle, because he had been duly appointed by uh, the governor. And so uh, Perper eventually uh, left. Um, 
Strange Perper has been in the news. Um, he ended up eventually in Florida somewhere, as maybe in Miami, as a coroner, and got himself into the papers in some big cases, much as Cyril always did and still does. Edberg, not so much. Um, they, as I said, Edberg uh, took over and took office. He was, by the way, for some reason, as if a coroner should have to be a Republican or a Democrat, but that's the way it is. And Thornburg was a Republican governor, and Edberg was a Republican doctor, and, and Perper was a Democrat. And so anyway, the Republicans won this shoving contest, and he got in. But then there was another election, right? The next election came up, and Perper ran against Edberg and won. <laughs> so Perper got the office back. Edberg was sent packing by the voters this time because if you run as a you know you run as a Republican in Allegheny County, the odds are not with you. So uh, Edberg uh, was defeated, and um, I believe he tried two more times to uh, get the office. He lost every time, and. Um, he lost to Perper again, then Wecht finishes his county commission job and decides to become the coroner again, and so he knocks off his former acting coroner. It was a nasty scene there in the Allegheny County coroner's office. And um, anyway, all this is, this blast from the past is because Sanford Edberg um, died. Uh, three days ago, and uh, his daughter is quoted in his obit as saying that when his father became a doctor, and by the way, Edberg must have been a smart, all these guys are smart cookies, Perper was, Cyril is, Edberg was, they are smart guys, um, Edberg graduated from college at the age of 18. He graduated from, no, he graduated from NYU at 16 and then made it through New York Medical College in two years. How do you do that? He graduated from medical school at 18, Edberg. Jays. And he was working as, uh, you know, as a regular doc, and and he didn't he didn't particularly like it. He found it very difficult. His daughter said to deal with the fact that sometimes his patients died, and he just couldn't take it. And so his daughter is quoted as saying he decided that watching people die was not healthy for him mentally, and so he shifted his focus. <laughs> Two patients who are already dead. <laughs> well, I, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, so he became a pathologist working on, you know, dead people because they wouldn't disappoint you by dropping dead on you. 
So, <laughs> uh, there you have it. And um, Stanford Edberg. The other funny aspect of this to uh, to a Jew is that, you know, all of these guys, Cyril, Edberg, Perper, they're all Jewish. They're all Jewish doctors. And, you know, Jews aren't really known for, you know, f physical fighting. I mean, back in the day they were. A lot of old prize fighters were Jews. But, you know, that's just because when you're the initial immigrant uh, generation, you do those kinds of things. <laughs> Whatever. But, oh, my God. In the Jewish community, it was like, oi, oi. There's three respected doctors. Look at this. Boy, I wanted my son to be a doctor. I didn't want him fighting another doctor on television. It's embarrassing. Anyway, so that's it. Uh, Sanford Edberg. Uh, I guess a good man who just found himself in a <laughs> difficult position. Perper, um, I think, was himself an immigrant because he spoke with a pretty thick accent, didn't he? Yeah. And I once sat behind him at a synagogue for some event. And uh, you might remember, I bet it's not, no, Cullen, shut up. I was going to say something about his the shape of his head. <laughs> but, but the shape of his head was fascinating. And I, I mean, I had thought that when I'd seen him from the front sort of went off in this direction. I think he had a, I don't know. Um, anyway, um, I remember that entire service sitting behind him, just sort of rapt attention, staring at the back of his his head. Okay, there. I said it. It wasn't nice. It was... And I'll tell you this, now that I said that. I, it may have been like a growth, you know, people get growths. Guess who has a growth on her head? Me. Me. Thank God I got hair. So if I were a bald man like Perper, people would look at my head and say, God, what the hell is that? I mean, I live in terror of losing my hair. Um, it appeared, my growth, it's right here. It appeared <laughs> in the center of my head um, maybe about 10 years ago. And at first, the first time I felt it when I was washing my hair, I thought, ah, you know how you feel. Yeah, you, ah, oh my God, I got brain cancer. Oh my God, I'm dead. And, uh, I just, you know how when you think that and then you don't do anything about it, you just sort of, okay, I'm sure it's not just, it's just some fatty deposit or something, some grotesque thing that happens to an aging body, just another gross thing that happens to an aging body. And so I eventually, though, I did um, screw up the courage um, and ask a doctor who I was seeing for other things, uh, I got this, and um, no, it's nothing. It's just would be extraordinarily unsightly if I were bald. Um, and what it does, even when I go, if I, you know, you get your hair washed, if you go to a hairdresser, I'm embarrassed because it's not a nice round head. There's this, it looks like an incipient unicorn horn. 
is what it is. And um, so I always tell people because I'm embarrassed. Ah, yeah, I know I look like a person, but I'm actually a unicorn, and uh, you'll feel my. <laughs> it grosses me out. I don't even like. I don't. Ugh. When I wash my hair, I sort of like wash around it, but. Just yesterday, I found a great use for it. It served a great purpose. I had been, uh, I had had my height taken. Uh, I had to go get a bone scan, you know, another thing that happens when you're old and your bones start looking like Swiss cheese, I guess. And so they, they wanted to know my height because also one of the things that happens when you're old is you shrink. And um, they said I'd shrunk another quarter inch and uh, I used to be five eight and three quarters <laughs> always wanted to be five ten dang anyway so I stopped and and I they told me I was five eight and I said no way are you kidding me I said I thought it was five eight I thought it was a and a quarter. Well, I said, well, you know, it couldn't be off, this and that. And then, just Monday, I had to go to another doctor, and they also weighed me and wanted to take my height. And as I stood on that thing with my back, um, to, I thought, use your, use your unicorn horn. Use it. It's got to be worth a quarter of it, maybe even half an inch. So... I stood and made sure that when they stuck that thing down, it hit the horn and not the top of my head. And wouldn't you know, she said, five, eight and a half. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. Okay, speaking of Jewish doctors, let's go to Trump's former doctor, Dr. Harold Bornstein. Oh, God. You can't make this cast up. You cannot. This, that a guy who has these kind, this is his doctor, this is his personal lawyer, and they're all just a bunch of kooks. If you were, if you couldn't, if you were casting some kind of a, a ludicrous comedy, you would feel like you'd gone over the top if you, you know, came up with this guy, Harold Bornstein. Well, you know, it, he did sort of disappear on us, didn't he? And uh, now he's back, and it turns out that, um, I don't, it turns out that <laughs> Trump was less than a month in office and he had his goon, his bodyguard, who's now since also departed. He had his goon and uh, an attorney, who I don't think is there anymore, um, and and some other un, unidentified guy, uh, sort of what Dr. Bornstein called a raid, a raid on his office where they three of them came in and apparently forcibly took all of Trump's uh, medical records. You know, normally, I don't know, have you ever changed doctors? Yeah. You know, if you change doctors, you just, you sign a little thing, 
and your doctor then gives sends all of your information over to your new doctor. <laughs> I mean, we've all done that. But no, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, sends three goons over to physically take um, these documents. And uh, Bornstein says he felt raped. He also felt sad because he'd been Trump's doctor for something like uh, 26, 36 years. 36 years. And you remember that hysterical letter that he had written during the campaign when everybody kept asking about his health. And so he wrote this letter saying, you know, he would be if elected the most the healthiest whatever specimen ever in the history of the universe, you know. And and when this letter came out, everybody was saying, what? A doctor wrote that? Well, of course a doctor didn't write that. It was Trump. It sounded like Trump. It was Trump. And now Bornstein says it was Trump. So I guess his story was broken by NBC. <laughs> and then the New York Times uh, had a reporter uh, try to corroborate the story before the Times did a story on it. And uh, the reporter called Bornstein, and Bornstein didn't want to talk to him. Uh, so the Times says this. In a brief phone call, Dr. Bornstein did not elaborate on what he had told NBC except to say that his earlier interviews for, uh, with a reporter for the New York Times had caused him torture for more than a year. And so he demanded, before he would talk to the New York Times yesterday, he not only demanded an apology from the New York Times, but he also said, and I also want a large donation in my name to Tufts University Medical School uh, where I graduated, from where I graduated. Um, the sort of short little article in the New York Times says the Times declined both requests. <laughs> so uh, apparently the Times refused to apologize to Dr. Bornstein and also refused to make a large contribution to Tufts Medical School in his name. Um, and so they were not able to totally corroborate everything NBC said, but they, oh my God. Yeah, so uh, Bornstein now has acknowledged that it was Trump who essentially dictated uh, to him what the letter would say. And if elected, Mr. Trump will be the healthiest individual ever to hold the office. So you know what we're, you know what we know now because the 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 White House doctor, remember when he came out and had that weird press conference and said sounded like this. He'll live to be 200 years old. Remember? Um, 
What is it about people around Trump that they end up doing his bidding, um, even to the extent that they harm their own reputations? And, I mean, you look at these doctors. He leaves in his wake nothing but destruction. The reason that Trump had the goons come and get his stuff is because this doctor, Bornstein, um, at, apparently actively was trying was was trying to get the White House DACA uh, position. Can you imagine? And and that he had told uh, reporters that uh, Trump uh, he had given Trump medication for hair growth and for uh, rosacea. And that, you know, and Trump was furious that he had uh, put that information out. Um, and I don't know where, you know, the HIPAA laws... I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of, mostly, people running for office are pretty forth... Well, maybe not. Maybe not so forthright about their health. But certainly more so than Donald Trump... Uh, they have uh, in the past, you know, said what they're given out information about their health and um, also about their finances, as we know. And Trump is the first to actually, now we know, refuse to do either. And unbelievable. You know, so it's finally warm. Yay! I was planting flowers yesterday, my little containers and stuff, and it's so wonderful. So what is the first story on the news? Be careful! Be very careful! This from the Centers for Disease Control, that the outdoors is a dangerous place, right? That was the news yesterday. That <laughs> the number of people getting horrible diseases from mosquitoes and ticks and all kinds of stuff has tripled in the U.S. Things that nobody in the U.S. ever got, we're now getting. Places that never had to worry about certain things now do because as the climate has gotten warmer, these horrible virus-carrying bugs have come north. And so we're in terrible, terrible jeopardy if you're outside. I'm trying to see where... Um, in the northeast, it says, tick-borne diseases are really climbing in the Northeast and the Upper Midwest. Ticks, spreading Lyme disease. You think that's all? No. Anaplasmosis, babesiosis, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. How the hell are we supposed to have Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever here? But we do now. Rabbit Fever. Powassan virus and all kinds of others, even diseases we didn't know existed, have now been recently discovered. 
and you don't get them if you stay indoors. They actually say that the CDC put out information about what you should do, and it says things like, use air conditioning. In other words, what? Do not open windows? Yeah, don't open windows. Make sure every screen you have is totally... Now, I have a screen door in my back, which my cat, now deceased, had brilliantly and working, I mean, what a work ethic. What an extraordinary work ethic this little, teeny little cat had shown. Because she kept, she kept at it and eventually created a cat door. I think it was so brilliant. They say what? Humans are the only ones who can like construct, that's not true. You know, birds and nests, spiders and webs, cats and cat doors. Because she, while the other cat looked on dumbly, like, what are you doing? And she made a hole. She could walk in and out, in and out. And I like keeping doors open because I like fresh air. So that thing has been there now for about seven years. And it's now, it's fur-lined because as the cats go in and out, it actually grooms them as well, you know, what's left of the, the screen there. And so there's fur all around it. And I have had so many people say to me, my God, look at your screen, you got to fix that. And I, fix? Destroy Addie's beautiful, beautiful invention? I would never. So I read this and I think, hey. So, I, but I'm not going to, I'm I'm not, mm-mm. Uh-uh. So um, it is now used by, by my other cat, and I'm not going to get rid of that. It makes me laugh every time I see it. So anyway, yeah, they scare... Rid your yard of empty flower pots, bird baths. Jeez. So the birds, you people who love birds, your bird bath, yeah, is now a threat to your life apparently, because mosquitoes can breed. There are things you can put in there that, like, keep the mosquitoes away. Some of the plants I planted yesterday are called mosquito plants, and mosquitoes don't like them because I guess they put out this odor they don't like. Um, but listen to this. Let's say you want to go on a walk. Here's what they say. Build a protective shield around yourself. Jeez! God! Yo! All right, here's what you want to do. Leave no piece of skin exposed. So let's imagine you're going for a hike on a hot summer day. They say, long sleeves, turtleneck, or wrap something around your neck. Sh uh, long pants with tucked in to shoes that are not open in any way. So in other words, encase yourself and and then anything that is exposed, you you have to put tons of crap on. Well, who the hell wants to go for a walk if that's what you got to do? It's like little kids now. 
And as a matter of fact, they say, especially little kids should be protected. So gone are the days. Honey, go outside and play. No, because now, my God, you've got to wrap the kid in all kinds of stuff, then put bubble wrap around them, I guess, so they won't skin their knees or fall down or anything like that. And then what's left of their exposed surface, you have to, um, yeah, put pesticides on. I mean, I know nobody wants these diseases, but damn, does that put a damper on the joy we all feel finally having spring? It makes me sick. And then after you come in from indoors, immediately take a shower. Jeez, I go in and out a hundred times. Yesterday I was in and out a hundred times. Take a shower. Check yourself every square inch. Do not forget your scalp under your hair. Check folds in your skin. <laughs> if you have folds in your skin. And your private parts. Check behind your ears. Check behind your knees. You know what? I bet single people, uh, you know, end up dead more than... This is where having a partner, um, an intimate partner who can look at certain, you know, can separate folds and look in and say you're okay. God dang it. I don't want to do any of this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just not. I know that's probably stupid, but here, the report from the Centers for Disease Control. Not that they're trying to scare you. Here's the guy who wrote the report. The, number on some, the numbers on some of these diseases have gone to astronomical levels. The CDC is calling for more money, more support for state and local health departments. Fat chance. The CDC itself is reeling from budget cuts. I don't know. Dang fever. Zika. Remember that? Puerto Ricans have to deal with those two. And we will soon enough. My God. Well, just, yes. Yeah. Oh. As Susan and I were singing yesterday, it's May, it's May. The deadly month of May. And speaking of your health, um, juicy Governor Jerry Brown of California is, you know, suing uh, the feds, and um, as are attorneys general from a whole bunch of other states, including ours, uh, because I guess, again, here's the EPA, Scott Pruitt, got, and all oh, the, the new stuff on Scott Pruitt is so disgusting. Unbelievable. What a just despicable crook. Anyway, he is, of course, proposing that these, um, that the federal government roll back the fuel economy standards and emission controls that have had a clear impact on, uh, on bettering our air, 
retarding uh, the pollution of our air and probably the destruction of the ozone layer and also global warming and all that. And, of course, this being the polluters protection agency now, um, this is what the Trump administration is proposing. And, man, California and um, Pennsylvania and a whole bunch of other states. By the way, states that represent close to half the population of the United States are suing the government of the United States in this regard. And, gov and Jerry Brown, the governor of California, uh, said this. This is about health. It's about life and death. And I'm going to fight it with everything I've got. And he would refuse to call Pruitt the administrator of the EPA. He called him outlaw Pruitt, which is, the more we learn about him, absolutely true. Unbelievable. And while we're on the environment, I give you a quote. Can any civilization wage relentless war on life without destroying itself? Well, I think that's one of those rhetorical questions because the answer would be uh, no. And that question was posed in 1962 by none other than our own Rachel Carson, who's who we named a bridge after. Her book, uh, Silent Spring, uh, came out in 1962. It was first, um, it was first in the New Yorker uh, in, in a serialized form. The New Yorker printed, printed it. And wow, did it get people's attention. No one had ever said what she was saying. Let me read some of it. And if you've never read it, wow. For the first time in the history of the world, every human being is now subjected to contact with dangerous chemicals from the moment of conception until death. Modern pesticides and herbicides take so long to decay that their virtually indestructible residues trickle into our rivers, our topsoil, and groundwater, creating a poisoned environment. And she went on to school us in, and then you see, plants take up this poison from the earth and from the water and then insects take it up from insects take it up from the plants and then birds take it up from the insects and mammals take it up from 
the insects and from the plants. And pesticides gradually build up in the insects, the plants, in their tissues, in their very being. Every meal we eat, she said, carries loads of chlorinated hydrocarbons. And this piling up of chemicals from many different sources creates a total exposure that cannot be measured. The chemical firm, by the way, uh, that made uh, DDT threatened to sue uh, Carson's publisher, tried to get the book uh, squelched. And um, she was denounced by other scientists, denounced in, one would uh, not be surprised to hear, misogynistic terms. She was called a hysterical female a bird and bunny lover, a commie. Uh, the uh, agriculture secretary, Ezra Taft Benson, who she attacked by name in the book, called her a spinster. Remember that one? Said, why would a spinster be so worried about genetics? Wow. So Rachel Carson, what an extraordinary impact she had. And by the way, she never really lived to see the impact she had because she died of breast cancer shortly after the book was published. But it's hard to uh, it's hard to overstate the impact of that book. None, not no one in the world had been thinking in those terms of what we were doing, and in fact, all these chemicals were looked at as as miracles. Look at what you can just spray over here, and this happens, and spray over there, and we all thought. This was just wonderful. Sci it's progress, progress. Science is wonderful. Um, there, were, there were advertisements, get this, um, for DDT-impregnated wallpaper for the nursery. Here, make your child's nursery literally the wallpaper with DDT infused in it so no mosquito will get on your precious baby. It was even suggested that babies be sprayed with insecticide. Well, we're right back to that now. We're now spraying, you know, d I, I don't know. And there was even a, uh, a chorus of housewives, of cows, of dogs and potatoes in a Time magazine ad, you know, Sing, obviously, you know, potatoes singing, dogs singing, housewives singing, and what they were singing is, DDT is good for me. Um, 
a little more on this. The history is amazing. So it, right after the book comes out, CBS broadcasts an hour-long special uh, that took her side, essentially. And the day after CBS aired that special, the Congress of the United States announced it was holding hearings. And out of those hearings emerged the first pesticide regulations. The White House, under Kennedy, uh, released its own investigation, saluted her, called for, quote, orderly reductions of persistent pesticides. And within 10 years, almost all of the pesticides that she targeted in that book um, were either banned or severely restricted uh, in the United States, in Europe, and much of the world. And that book also essentially gave rise to the ecology movement. This woman, an extraordinary woman. And she was dead 18 months after that book was written. So, just wanted to say and I got a email here from Mark. At Trump's speech the other day, when, when he mentioned Hispan are there any Hispanics here? And his audience started booing. That one? So stop and think. Let's pretend it's, I know we're not supposed to go here, but you tell me what the difference is. Let's say it's Adolf Hitler giving a speech. Are there any Jews here? <laughs> right? What is the difference? What is the difference? What is the difference? First you demonize an entire people. And it makes it easier to round them up. It makes it easier to take their children and stick them over here and take their parents and stick them over there. And it's a lot easier then to kill them, ultimately. To call them vermin, ultimately. And Trump came close to that the other day when he talked about breeding vermin breed. He is using, let us not forget about any of this. Oh. Anybody who supports this man. <laughs> I have nothing but contempt for him. I'm sorry. So at Trump's speech the other day, uh, Mark writes, the crowd started chanting, Nobel Prize, Nobel Prize. Is Trump trying to steal the prize that really belongs to Dennis Rodman? <laughs> We may disagree on this one, but I thought Netanyahu's, quote, great find of thousands of pounds of documents, end quote, relating to Iran's nuclear programs was a dangerous stunt. Of course it was a dangerous stunt. We don't disagree on this, and everybody says that what he had there was nothing that any, no, everybody already knew, and 
Mark is saying it was for an audience of one. Yes, of course it was. He actually was speaking in English. He wasn't speaking in Hebrew. He was talking to Donald Trump, trying to, you know, he was pushing Trump to get out of the Iran agreement. Uh, and he was doing it because Macron and Merkel had just been in town uh, pull, pulling him the other way. So, um, no, Netanyahu, what a despicable man. Sarah Sanders uh, stated, Iran has a nuclear program. Um, oh, that was written, wasn't it, in a thing, which is untrue. And they said, oh, our mistake, it, we meant had a nuclear program. You know, of such typos are, you know, wars created because, I mean, you can't accuse them of having present tense when in fact they have. And by all, all the authorities that have gone in have said, they have said this, this agreement is working. And Mark says that General Mattis, who heads the the Defense Department, is now being attacked as an appeaser. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, oh my God, Milton found the ad for DDT wallpaper. It shows a mother with her happy little baby in the nursery, ready, pasted, just dip in water and hang. You can protect your child for 8 to $10, depending on the size of the room. Ta trims DDT children's room wallpaper. Oh, my God. Medical science knows many common insects breed in filth, live in filth, and carry diseases. Science also recognizes the dangers that are present when these disease-carrying insects invade your home. Blah, 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 blah. But now you can have DDT wallpaper for your children's room. Says right here in a like, nice little uh, seal of approval. Tasted, tasted? No, I say tested. I say tested. Tested and commended by Parents Magazine and the Consumer Service something. Yeah. Yeah. That was what we were, that was what we thought. And then Rachel Carson wrote her book. Unbelievable. Wow. Okie dokie. I think that's it for me. As a matter of fact, it's more than it for me. Um, have a great day. Enjoy this weather. But wrap yourself in bubble wrap. Spray yourself with insecticide. And then go ahead and try to enjoy the weather. Lots of luck. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints 
of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.